jump into the epic world of Avatar The Last Airbender with Nickelodeon's official companion podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. It's The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. My next guest was a four-star admiral in the U.S. Navy and served four years as Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. His new book is called To Risk It All. Please welcome Admiral James Stavridis. Admiral, thanks for being here. My pleasure. We will get to your book in just a moment. Here it is. It's called To Risk It All. Um, before we get into talking about uh, NATO and, and the situation in Europe right now in sure. your book, I want to talk to you about, um, well, a, a story related to what's going on now sure. down in Texas and happens too often, the tragedies we see. The, if I'm not mistaken, the, the AR-15 was designed to be essentially a civilian version of the M-16 that has been used for uh, decades by the U.S. military. Yes. You spent 37 years in the military. You you uh, were in wars. You saw a battle. Do you think that civilians should be allowed to purchase weapons that were specifically meant to be used in battle? I'll answer in three words. Of course not. <laughs> and... <laughs> Let's... Let's be clear, I spent my life in the profession of arms. I chose the gun. I understand what this means. I've seen hard things in my life on battlefields. These are destructive, powerful weapons. They should never be placed in the hands of an amateur or tragically in Texas, essentially a child. Look, you have to be 21 years old to buy a beer in the United States of America. You can buy a long gun when you're 18. We've got it upside down. Well, one of the things, one of the things that was a subject of much discussion over the last five or six years is what America is beginning to look like to the outside world. Um, our inability to govern ourselves or to communicate with each other as we attempt to find some sort of um, common cause in our governance. What do you think these kind of these kind of events, the fights we have over things like the Second Amendment, what kind of image does that project to the rest of the world right now? You know, Stephen, I just flew here from Europe, and um, throughout my time in Europe, over a, a few days, uh, constantly people would ask me, "What is going on back in your country with these mass shootings?" It is a topic of conversation amongst our greatest pool of allies. And so the answer to the question is, we diminish our role in the world significantly. We lose the ability to step forward, be an example to the world, if we cannot solve these problems of disorder in our house here at home. Well, let, let's talk about the United States' relationship <laughs> to the rest of the world through our allies in, in, in NATO. 
from 2009 to 2013, you were NATO Supreme <laughs> Allied Commander, which is a fancy pants title. And I'm just <laughs> curious, what, what exactly does Supreme Allied Commander do? It's a terrific question. Your, your job is team building. Your job is to speak to the, at the time I was Supreme Allied Commander, the 28 nations of NATO, now 30, God willing, 32 shortly when Finland and Sweden join. Okay. But <laughs> your job is to go about to all these different countries and get them on the same sheet of music. And that sounds pedestrian, mm -hmm. but when you are talking about, for example, a combat mission in Afghanistan, and you have to encourage the Icelanders and the Luxembourgers to deploy troops, small numbers, but mm -hmm. troops, alongside the Germans and the French and the Brits and the Italians, it's this huge melange of culture. So the biggest job was bringing the team together, getting the band together, and getting us forward on our missions. Now, the NATO, which... Is it, is it right, the sort of the public perception that during the previous administration, there was sort of fractures in the relationships in NATO? Yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> and that was all to Putin's liking. And Indeed. he was hoping that that would increase when he invaded oh, Ukraine. Yeah. But quite the opposite has happened, evidently. And now Finland mm -hmm. and Sweden, as you said, might be joining. What's that process like? You can look it up, Finland, Sweden, apply to join NATO, and you'll see pictures of their ambassadors bringing these rather large documents sealed with wax and seals to apply sealed for with wax? It's a true fact. That's like a papal edict. It, it, it is very close to that, um, although we don't have to um, burn paper to choose a new Supreme Allied Commander. It's white smoke. Okay. Um, but I will say this, um, in deadly seriousness, we want, we need Sweden and Finland in this alliance. And let me tell you why. Um, these are two nations who deployed alongside NATO again and again. They sent troops to Afghanistan, to the Balkans, to Libya. I had these troops under my command. They are professional. They are brave. They're technologically advanced. They're really tall, which is <laughs> an important see thing. see over edges and, I, and stuff like indeed, that. Indeed. And, you know, I'm like five feet, five inches tall, so the Swedes, to essentially harass me, would send... <laughs> a security detail of these six-foot-four-inch Vikings who would follow me around the Balkans protecting me. Those are the kind of people you want on your side, tall people. Henry Kissinger said something yeah. interesting recently. Mm -hmm. He said that Ukraine has to give up some land uh, to Russia or else it puts Russia sort of in a bad position, like back on their heels, and it leads to greater tension. And... Um, I'm wondering what you think of that assessment. Do you think that it's a reasonable thing to ask the Ukrainians to give up some land? I do not. I think, however, these are decisions not for Henry Kissinger or Jim Stavridis or Stephen Colbert. These are decisions for Ukrainians. And I mean that very seriously. Our job is to give the Ukrainians the military tools the weapons, the diplomatic support, the intelligence, the cybersecurity oversight, give them the tools that create options for them. If they then decide to negotiate with Russia, that's their choice. Well, you, you have the new book, To Risk It All. These are about nine famous naval conflicts and the critical decision makers mm -hmm. in those conflicts. 
who of those decision makers or which one of these conflicts do you think is most applicable that we could learn the most from in our time? Uh, I'm going to cheat slightly and pick two, and I'm going to do it fast. Okay. But um, number one, because any Navy officer is going to say this, John Paul Jones, who fought for the Republic in its earliest days, and he, he was in a terrible battle, losing awfully. His crew was abandoning him, and yet he stood and delivered, and these are the immortal words, I have not yet begun to fight. So you got to look at that and think of Zelensky, who is this charismatic figure, who is leading his nation, who is utterly determined to save his country, his elders, his family, his language, his civilization. You have to respect that. The second one, and, and a story I love in the book, is about a Navy enlisted man, a sailor named Dory Miller. He's African-American in the 1930s. Not a lot of options where he comes from in Texas, so he joins the Navy. The bad news is the Navy of that era is segregated. It is not a lot of great places he can go, and he ends up essentially as a cook on one of our ships. But here's the story, Pearl Harbor, the guns are firing, the torpedoes are launched, the bombs are dropping. Dory Miller leaves the wardroom where the officer's mess is and literally goes to the guns. And he finds himself with an anti-aircraft gun that he really doesn't know exactly how to operate. A couple of other sailors are there with him. They load the gun and they shoot down two Japanese fighters, two Japanese Zeros. Afterwards, he receives the Navy Cross, the second highest decoration of our nation. And the U.S. Navy, punchline alert here, the U.S. Navy 18 months ago announced our next nuclear aircraft carrier will be named the USS Dory Miller. First one named after an enlisted man. Wow. It's a That's great a good story. story. Yeah. Admiral, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you so much, Stephen. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. Late Show Poncho listeners can get 20% off on all Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise on ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show shirts, mugs, accessories, and more with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. Enjoying this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you.